0: Today, we welcome Rusty Cloutier to talk about the current state of the U.S. banking industry. Many of you know Rusty as the founding president and CEO of Mid-South Bank, which was organized in 1984 and has since been acquired by Hancock Whitney. Rusty has been one of the leading advocates of community banking in the U.S. Rusty served as past chair of the National Advisory Committee of Fannie Mae, as well as past chair of the Independent Community Bankers of America. He served as a member of the Securities and Exchange Commission Advisory Committee on Smaller Public Companies and is a former director of the New Orleans branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Rusty also authored Big Bad Banks, How Greed and Ego Among the Big Shots in Banking and Government Created the Crisis That Wrecked Our Economy. I thought it might be a good time to have Rusty on to share his thoughts about where we are as individual consumers and where the banking industry is. Rusty Cloutier, it's an honor to welcome you to Discover Lafayette. Oh,
1: Jan, it's always great to be with you anytime, any place, anywhere. Uh, let, let me tell you, when I wrote my book in 2008, I thought the uh, elected officials in Washington would take the problem seriously. Uh, I made it very clear It's a direct connection between Wall Street and and the government, uh, and they didn't do much. Now, let me assure people before we start, your money's fine if you're in a local community bank. You're okay. Not many people have $300 million to go put in a bank, so I'm not really going to talk about them today, okay? I don't know, Jason, do you
0: have $300 million? <laughs> I'm working on it, working on <laughs> it. Right, right. yeah. Well, if
1: you got $300 million, I'll talk to you later. Uh, but, you know, you cover covered up to $250,000. The thing is is that they have been wanting to consolidate the banking industry, and I'm going to tell you the reason why, okay? And it's all about money. I kid people all the time, I said, you know, I'm like the guy Huey Long talked about, the this, this state senator up in all Louisiana when in Times-Picayune asked him one day, well, Governor, you bought that senator. He said, no, sir, I just rented him. Okay, <laughs> He's available to be rented if you want to go rent him. Well, I'm available to be rented, too, you know, if you pay me enough money. But he, here's the point, is that in, in the year 2000, we had 14,000 banks. We're down to 4,500 right now. The government— the regulators have made it very hard to run a bank. And let me use South Louisiana as an example. And they stopped anybody from making boat loans here, all for your loans. The GSE stuff was unbelievable. You know, the environmental stuff. I was down in Morgan City this weekend. There ain't no climate change crisis. I could take you down there and show you all a moss growing in the trees, okay? Uh, I can show you everything that has happened. We're gaining land in Louisiana. We ain't losing land. Hmm. Silting is the biggest problem we got in the Vermillion Bay right now. But anyway, they came with all this stuff. And if you made a loan to, to anybody in the oil field mm-hmm. business, they were going to get after you. Well, a lot of banks in Louisiana, including mine, sold out because couldn't make no money. You know, if you couldn't do business in the oil field, what you going to do? Now I'm talking to my friends in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. They don't want them financing cattle anymore, okay? You know, and supposedly they pollute. As one of them told me the other day, he said he told the bank exam, there were a lot more buffalo before we got here than they are cattle now, okay? And so it's just kind of ridiculous. But, but here's the end game. They're making no bones about it now. They would like to get down to five international banks. And they being? Uh, the, the government and the big boys. And I, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. They'd like to get it down to Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America, Citicorp, and one more. You get to pick the fifth one. But they want to get them down. Then they want to go to digital currency, which means do away with the dollar, and everything will be digital and everything can be tracked. They're already there in Europe, okay? So if you spend more than 500 euros in digital currency, it kicks on the computers, and you get sent to an area. Right now in the United States, it's $10,000. You walk into a bank and deposit $10,000 in cash or withdraw $10,000 in cash, you can ask any Mm -hmm. bank in America. You're going to have a form sent to the IRS on you. Right. Okay, immediately. Well, you know, you remember about – Eight months ago, they wanted to lower that to $500, and all kind of hell broke loose. Well, now they want to be in the large institutions. They're trying to scare everybody to death. And here's what gets me. They said, well, if you got your money in a small institution, you need to move it to one of the big five so it can be safe. Well, wait a minute. If I got $250,000 coverage and I got 3000 in the bank, why should I worry? Are you telling me CitiCorp is safer than the federal government? Maybe it is, but I didn't know that. Okay, mm-hmm. so so why I got to move? And they say, well, you know, the small banks fail. Well, let's talk about the small banks that fail. Silicon Valley Bank was a government-run bank that all the money went in there from the infrastructure deal. I can tell you where it came from. That was all green energy money that went from the federal government over to Silicon Valley to work on green energy projects. I'm not telling you it's right or wrong. That's where they got the 300 million from. That, that's where they got all of this. The average deposit in Silicon Valley was almost 30 million dollars. That's the average. Okay, they didn't do bit- business with any regular people. Mm-hmm. This was all what they did. The other one was Signature Bank. You might remember this name, Barney Frank, Dodd Frank Bill, who's the lead director over there. And they were involved with somebody you may remember called FTX. They were knee deep in all of that stuff. And when FTX free guy admitted he was a fraud, they were in deep trouble and they had to run on that bank. Okay. So, you know, we're sitting here around a lot of banks in this area. You couldn't cause a run on a bank here if you even tried. Because if Rusty Cloutier ran over tomorrow and said, I want my $3,000 out the bank, they're going to go, okay, here's your Mm $3,000. You better go get another 100,000 people to withdraw $3,000 because the bank ain't going to have a problem. It's just physically not going to have a problem. Now they love to tell you, well, a bank bought government bonds and they upside down and, and that's the problem they got. No, they don't have a problem. Biggest problem with being upside down right now in government bonds Federal Reserve Bank. Federal Reserve Bank announced uh, last week that they are now losing money and basically insolvent because their bonds are so far underwater. Got to remember they bought all these bonds and they have a real problem with them now. So what they did is, you'll love this, they took their loss and they capitalized it. They put it on their book as an asset, okay? So the local community banks are fine. They got a lot of checking accounts. They got a lot of little people. They got a lot of communities, the school Mm -hmm. board, the sheriff, the city, they're not withdrawing all their money. So yeah, their bonds might be a little bit underwater, but Mm -hmm. they will come back. It's like like owning any bond. If you hold it to maturity, it's going to get back to the full value.
0: You know, while you're talking about community banking and these large banks, Rusty, the reason people like community banks, I think is because they want to know that their banker knows them and they can Go to bat for them, right? right? So we've got this total disconnect between most of these large banks who don't really care about someone like me, or, or you possibly even, or Jason getting a small business loan. So they're out there dealing with all these millions and billions, and the rest of us just want to make sure that our money is safe. And I know quite a few people who don't even trust banks, no matter what kind. They just don't know if they can trust anymore. And so that's why I was glad you were coming on, just to explain to me your your philosophy about community banking and maybe why we need to have some middle ground between government takeover and just total deregulation. Because deregulation gets us in trouble, and the thought of government taking over and us just having five banks is really frightening to me.
1: Well, you know, the the, the problem, with as I wrote about in my book in great detail, is a friend of mine says runs a bank in, in Zachary, Louisiana, mm-hmm. He talks about the big boys. They get the gain and we get the pain. None of these banks were dealing in uh, green energy loans and were dealing in uh, cyber currencies and all of that stuff. So why in the world go put a whole bunch of regulations on a local bank, okay? The other thing, too, is, is that I tell people, if you're worried about your money, just go see your local banker, okay? Because believe me, I'm a big believer that body language tells you more about people than anything else. So, if you go ask him how the bank doing and he starts sweating, mm-hmm. then you know you <laughs> might want to worry. Right. But you got to remember you got $250,000 worth of coverage. The reason they broke the rule there is because of the big banks. They cannot bail out Chase and Citicorp and all of that. But here's the second thing that you got to like about your local bank that you might not like about the na- international bank. Remember, international. Okay? When you're talking about the big banks and you say, well, yeah, they got an office in life, yeah. They care a whole lot more about what they're doing in China and Venezuela and Argentina and Europe and South Africa than they do here. They're international, okay? They've got a lot of money invested internationally, and they're doing a lot of stuff local bankers wouldn't even conceive. And let me give you just one local example that I was shocked, just flabbergasted with. I was publicly traded, not the biggest publicly traded stock in the world, but I was on the New York Stock Exchange. You could buy and sell it. When I write the president's letter, I would usually make some statements and the auditors would say, you can't say that. And attorneys would say, you can't say that. And my marketing people would say, you can't say that. And my, my regulator people would say, you can't say that. I had to put it in front of seven different groups. And by the time they were finished with my letter, it wasn't nothing I'd said. Okay. But Jamie Dimon, last week, anybody on this call can go look it up. In his presidential letter of Chase Bank said it's time for the government to start seizing private assets from individual citizens in the United States of America. He said we cannot support this government in green energy without seizing assets. Now, I don't know about any of y'all, but I got a lot of money in IRAs and other deferred accounts Mm -hmm. that I'm not real interested in them seizing. Okay? And Robert Reich one of my favorite people, who uh, wants to do away with inheritance because he says that's unconstitutional. I listened to his argument on that.
0: Inheritance tax or inheritance? Inheritance.
1: Any inheritance Inheritance. is is unconstitutional, he says, (laughs) because he says everybody's supposed to be born equal, and if you get a lot of money, you're not equal and and whatever. Hmm. Well, he also has proposed now that – If you live in a house, and I had my house appraised last week. I don't know what we could do, but me and my wife talked about it. I live in a 4,800-square-foot house. I raised a lot of kids. I had a lot of grandkids. But it's just me and my wife now. Well, Robert Reich is saying, well, they should move some people into my house. There's homeless people that ought to move in there. So I don't know if I want to fund these people's goals and ambitions Mm -hmm. by moving my money into a large international bank. And I promise you, And I don't mean this negatively. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who worked for the big banks and they said, Rusty, what we really miss is we don't have nobody we can talk to. Mm -hmm. We just get orders from upstairs and it comes down and this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to say. So I want to tell your listeners, feel comfortable with your community bank. Go in, talk to the people. Look them in the eye. Look at the local people. Mm -hmm. I mean – in a lot of markets right now, the large international banks just have kiosks. You can't even talk to nobody. You go in and make a deposit, you're talking to a kiosk. Can
0: okay. you define, like, community bank, what you're talking about, and maybe give us a few examples? You well,
1: know? okay, I'll give, I can give you a ton of examples. Okay, uh, Community banks are, are, are banks that are like Washington State Bank in Washington, mm-hmm. um, Farmers and Merchants in Brobridge, um, you know, Range State, mm-hmm. First National Bank of Crowley. It's uh, Investor. Yeah. Uh, there are tons of them mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Home Bank here in Lafayette. Uh, Origin Bank up in North Louisiana. Uh, Ozark Bank in Little Rock. I, I You give me a city, I can give you one, mm-hmm. okay, because I traveled all over. And they're good local people, and they care about the local community. And and, and one example of regulation is because the large banks will reinvest in the community. They just would refuse to do it. They passed CRA, which is Community, community Reinvestment yeah. Act. Mm-hmm. Now, now, do you think that farmers and merchants and Fred Mills—I'll use Brobridge as an example because I had a bank there. You don't think they care about Brobridge? Do you think Fred Mills cares the least about what's going on in Los Angeles, California? Yeah. Okay. And so they passed the CRA regulation, and they put all kind of people in saying, you got to prove to us you're looking after the local community. I'll give you another example locally here. Uh, we bought uh, uh, the bank in Burl Bridge that was ran by James Fontenot. And, and on Moss Street area, you know well, we had two banks right next door to each mm-hmm. other, mine and, and theirs. And so Kenneth Boudreaux, who you know, called me and said, we really have a problem. Would you consider doing something with LUS up there? Because our, our people, yeah. Northside, a lot of them don't have cars. can't get, get over to here. to pay their bill. Would you do it? So we worked with them. You know, and it had nothing to do with CRA or anything. It was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had nothing I wanted to do with the property. You know, I mean, I didn't need it. We wasn't going to enlarge that location or anything. And so it, it worked out well. And I can tell you, I've talked to Gerald and Kenneth and all of them, talked to a lot of people on the north side of town, they said there's a tremendous help to those people mm-hmm. to be able to pay their bills up there. They opened one up there. There's one over here on Pinhook. And it got closer to where mm-hmm. the people were.
0: I'm thinking of Jimmy Stewart and It's a Wonderful Life. That's correct. You great, know, thinking about what – he did just because he loved people and loved his community. He was also a banker, of course. Right. But he really was he was a people, you know, um, yeah. people person. And we lose that. when The bigger the banks get, they just don't even know. They don't know much about Lafayette, Louisiana, or it, any local communities. They really don't care, and I can promise you. Uh, well, I'm not saying that as a blanket statement. I know right. where you're no, coming I, from. It,
1: it, it pretty much but, is everybody. I mean— uh, my son's been making some of these deals. He told me he went to Houma, and he said there was nothing but banks and people running for election there. And he, he went to the Youngsfield Chamber of Commerce, and he said it was nothing but banks and people running for election. Okay? And I mean, you know, the, the bankers are there. And, and, and I guarantee you, when any high school in this city, you know, wants to do something, they go to a local bank. You go out to the... To St. Thomas More or Lafayette High, any of them, school is paid for by a local bank. You go over to UL and, and, and you know it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 home bank. Home it, bank. it was Mid South when we were here, mm-hmm. and it's just it just is. Those people care about your community. And so I'm telling you right now, don't get worried about I gotta pull my money out and all of that. Because if the war in Ukraine goes bad or China attacks Taiwan, It may affect international banks. It's not going to affect the Bank of Gator. I promise you that. Okay. All right. Life's going on in Gator, Louisiana. They're going to be shooting ducks. Okay. Uh, So I I think people overreact to news media. uh, And you got to remember, the news media, and I'm not negative on them, I spent a long time in Washington. They're all paid for by K Street. And if anybody don't know what K Street is, they ought to look it up. And the greatest movie I think ever made was A Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy. I don't know if you remember seeing it, but a guy dies named Jimmy Johnson, the congressman, and his name's Jimmy Johnson, so he runs. He never admits who he is, and he gets to Washington because he thinks he he's a fraudster. He he, he pulls off fraud schemes, and he got to Washington, and he said, "Jesus, these guys! This is this is the major league. I was playing class A." And there's a great scene, which we can relate to in South Louisiana. He goes in, and uh, the guy asks him, uh, you're pro-sugar, you're anti-sugar. So he turned to this guy next to him, like, what should I be? And so the guy could tell he's hesitating, and he says – Well, look, let me explain to you, Congressman. If you're pro-sugar, I can get you a lot of money from the sugar farmers and the the whatever, the whatever, whatever. If you're anti-sugar, I can go to the chocolate chocolate makers and (laughs) and the Coke people and get you a lot of money. I don't care what your stance is. I can get you a lot of money either way. And this is the thing about big news organizations. They're paid by K Street, okay? And these people who are on TV, and I don't care who your favorite person is, they put a teleprompt in front of them and they read the script and and they don't vary from it very much because you know that's k street that's that's who they are that's that's what what pays for it and and uh uh great story about louisiana um guy, I don't remember his name, but um about eight years ago he went to jail for bribing hundred and five congressmen. You might remember but he wanted to get an Indian casino near. Uh, Sabine pass. Okay. And he was going to get him to pass a federal law that would allow him to buy more land. And so they caught him and they put him mm-hmm. in jail and they interviewed him on 60 Minutes. I never will forget this. And they said, well, Congressman, you know, how'd you do it? And he explained it to them, you know, either them or their aides and paid them off with the office of jobs or whatever, whatever, which a few of our congressmen in this state have taken to become lobbyists. Nothing against it. They've made a lot of money. So, uh, they said, well, man, that's really great. You only got 105 out of 535. And he said, no, I just couldn't afford to rest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, but remember, a lot of this comes from KK Street. Mm-hmm. So when you see them on TV saying, oh, you need to move your money out the bank or get on and get it to, to, to uh, Citicorp, that's paid for. They ought to be, you have to put at the bottom, paid political ad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's paid for. And, and that's exactly where
0: they are. I have a question to get your thoughts about the bailout of the people that were with the failed banks. Like, I know before, 100000 was insured Correct. after, you know, the Depression, and then it was up to 250000 But what are your thoughts on that? You know, why do we have certain rules, and then these people were bailed out quickly? You know what I'm saying? The depositors. Well, what, what do you look, think about that?
1: This was terrible that they bailed out all the depositors. Let me tell you one thing they never admit, okay? The United States government in the history of banking has never paid a dollar to bail out a bank, never a dollar, okay? The FDIC is self-funded by the banks. Now, they're having a big feud right now because they want the community banks to pay money to bail out Silverton and, 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 and SVB, and they're on, away. This was the big boy's deal. Boy, we weren't doing hedge funds, and we weren't doing green energy, and we weren't, we weren't involved with free in that. It wasn't us. And so all that money is going to be raised. But this is a big thing that the news media runs with, and this is the big boys that sell us. Well, we're bailing out all the small banks. You ain't bailing out no small banks. It's always been that the FDIC paid all the money. I, I don't care when you want to go back. I could go all the way back to Enron and uh, WorldCom and the stuff that they did and, and and you can look at it, and it was it's the same people over and over and over again. And, and like I said, here's Barney Frank. He lives Washington, goes straight to work, the lead director in the bank in New York, gets hit, hooked up with Free and bankrupts it. And then they want the the FDIC to pay all the depositors. And what the small banks are saying today, we don't disagree. Let the big five pay for it. That was their game. That that was who they were. You know, that would be like um, Gail Benson saying, I had a bad year this year. Let's get to Louisiana High School Athletic Association, put up the money that I lost with the Saints. Okay? I mean, it's not their deal. And so that's where we are. And, 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 And it's ridiculous. And nobody wants to hear that. And that's because they're so powerful on K Street with what they put out. And before I came here, um, I was at home, my wife had on Fox News, and Fox had on a couple people, oh, you know, we shouldn't bail out these banks and whatever, whatever. I agree. But if Jamie Dimon wants to bail out the, those banks, I'm good. Jamie, just don't come take my money. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea you want to take my money. That bothers me, okay? But you, if you, you want to
0: spend your money, I'm good with it. I don't care. You think $250,000 per depositor, is that still a – a valid amount, oh, yeah. you know what I'm yeah,
1: saying? I, Jan, I'll promise you that in Louisiana, and I can just, well, I could pretty much speak for most of the Midwest. If you took out New, uh, New York area, mm-hmm. Connecticut, Massachusetts, and California, less than 1% of the people have more than 250,000 in their bank. They just don't have it.
0: Or if they do, they've got investments. They that got are, they're going to spread it around. They,
1: they have. They have done something with mm-hmm. it. Remember, 60% of the people in America don't have enough money to make it till the end of their life. That's, right. that's a fact well known today. So, you know, it's, it's only these uh, New York and California multimillionaires. I was reading this morning about some of these mansions they can't sell because nobody's got $25 million to go buy them. Okay? There were some homes for sale. I couldn't buy it. And I'm not telling you I'm financially poor off. I'm not, but you just, you can't buy them. And so so that's the other thing that, that they're going to scream and holler about and, uh, you know, just do your own research, ask your own questions, and really say, you know, what's wrong with, with my community and supporting mm-hmm. my community? Because, you know, they, they don't really care, you know, uh, no Wait. more than than Amazon does about Lafayette, Louisiana.
0: Where are most of the community banks? Are they in towns like Lafayette? Are they, you know, you were talking about the two coasts, having the big investors and all, but where are most of the community banks? Most of them
1: in the, in the middle of America. Like uh, mid-sized you know, t- cities, uh, towns? The, the, all the big banks are on the coast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and look, I'm going to tell you, they think overall the people that live in the middle of America basic idiots, okay? They don't, they don't have much confidence in them. They don't believe in them. They live in a different sphere. I mean, I, I'll give you a great example, and I'm not here denying electric cars or plus electric cars. If I lived in New York, electric car would be fine because I'm not going nowhere, okay? I'm driving from 42nd Street to Central Park. Do you know about 60% of people who live in New York don't even own cars because it just doesn't make any sense? Uh, but if you live in this area...
0: Yeah, I want to get I got, out at a hurricane. Gotta, <laughs> I gotta,
1: yeah, I got to go to Dallas on Thursday. My my daughter lives up there with my mm-hmm. youngest grandkids. I guarantee you, I don't want to stop three hours to charge my car. It's 460 miles to Allen, Texas. I couldn't make it, okay? And I don't want to stop uh, to do all of that. So, you know, it's just what's reali- realistic or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Um, the former mayor of New York didn't want you drinking Coke and didn't want you eating beef. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. We're a little different. It'd be like coming to South Louisiana and saying we don't want you to eat crawfish and crabs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I understand they most probably don't like it. Okay. They most Mm -hmm. probably like, Oh, that's the worst thing in the world. But you try to go to a seafood restaurant in Lafayette on Friday during the (laughs) limp and tell them you ain't letting them eat crawfish, crabs and fish. Mm -hmm.
0: You'll get shot. Here's some meatloaf. Yeah, yeah, you'll get shot. So, (laughs) So, Rusty, at Mid-South, I know y'all were really um, very much in favor of oil and gas. Correct. You know, your, your customers were heavy oil and gas. And I'm curious now with this push, I know for even oil and gas people that are still here, they've explained to me and our listeners how hard it can be to get investor capital unless you've got this focus on green energy. You have to show what you're doing. And we're still going to be dependent on oil and gas for the next 40, 50 or more years. I mean, I know we want to transition to cleaner energy, but it doesn't just happen overnight, right? So if there's just a disconnect between reality and where most people live.
1: Well, Jan, here's reality. Uh, I want you to ride, and I know you ride around Lafayette a lot. You know, the average age of the car in Lafayette is 12 years old. I've seen that. It's on the road. So... If they if they stop selling electric cars today, it would be another 15 years before we got there. the The other thing is is that they have destroyed an industry we're going to need. Uh, I have a dear friend named Greg Bowser. You got to do one with him one I day. I know
0: Greg with the he, Chemical Association. He played uh, ball at LSU. LSU.
1: Yep. I coached him. We we're very, very close. I know Greg. Back, back in my day, we were yep. very, You can tell him I told you to call him. Yeah. But he said these people are trying to stop everything in the world. You look around here. What would we have? You think those big screens would be there without plastics? Uh, Do you think that pen would be there? my lipstick. Your lipstick. Uh, A practical
0: example. (laughs) Tell all the women
1: they can't get makeup. See how that goes. Okay? In automobiles. You know, my car out there, four-year-old automobile, it's about 80% hard plastic. It ain't got a lot of steel in it and less and less and less. So, you know, these people who are trying to stop all of this, and Bowser makes a great point. If you go down the river, okay, and this is how stupid all this is, because they don't want us financing uh, any companies that would do redos at the chemical plants. You know, they shut them down, they clean them out, and they redo stuff. Well, a lot of small companies was doing that and making good money, oh, no, you can't finance that. That's, That's not your GSE score, okay? But but like Bowser said, they did build these chemical plants in the middle of nowhere, okay? <laughs> and then everybody moved there. Is that the chemical <laughs> plant's fault? When they say, oh, well, a chemical plant's really polluting. Well, you know what? I was born and raised in Morgan City, I used to go to LSU football games a lot. Dow Chemical was way outside of Plaquemine. Mm-hmm. Now it's right there. Everything placaban then moved out to the chemical plant, okay? And, and and people don't realize somebody told me the other day, Oh, we need to do away with carbon. And I went, okay. How are you gonna drive your car? And he, went, what do you mean? Mean? I said, well, you realize those co- those tires on your car are made with carbon black, right? You understand that? no, oh, no, 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 no. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was I lived in Baldwin and Franklin area. That's where the big carbon black plants are. And if you want to go sit at the railroad track here, watch all those mm-hmm. carbon cars heading north up to Ohio to Goodyear and all that to make your tires. So, you know, the, these people are talking about stuff they don't know. Uh, they're forced to banks into doing stuff that is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and and the bankers are like, you know, can, can you really believe this? It's like a banker told me the other day. He had regulators in. And he says kid was 27 years of age, and he wanted to know what he was going to do about he financed a big cattle feedlot, like mm-hmm. in Dodge City. And he said, he told him, he says, well, they'll have to cover everything and put it under a hooded thing that vents all the, oh, the, the methane. The methane gas. Oh, they want them to put diapers on the cows. And the guy went, <laughs> you're not serious, are you? Yeah, we've had a, a, a study done of that. Well, well, let me tell you what the next worry is. And tell you, it's a serious worry. I was with a guy the other day in Houston that is big on cleaning up stuff. And he told me, he said, Rusty, um, We may be losing green pretty soon because he says, if you clean it up too much, plants can't live. He says, I'm doing projects right now in the Great Lakes. By the time we finish, it's going to look like a swimming pool. It's going to be blue. It's going to be beautiful. But you're not going to have any allergy. You're not going to have any fish. You're not going to have anything. You know, he said there's a fine balance. And right now in the atmosphere, we have to have – 4% 4% carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to survive on this planet, okay? And they're talking about they want to reduce it to 2%. Nobody knows what effect that's going to have. They just don't know. So what What I'm telling you is you should – I know you're very busy right now, but when you're no, not – No, I'm good. As, this, we're well, here. When you're <laughs> not – no, no, no. When you're not as busy, I'd love to take you on a ride down to Generat, Franklin, Morgan City, Amelia. Mm-hmm. Do you know – in 1980, when I moved here, 10% of all the sales tax collected in Lafayette, Louisiana, was out Came of Amelia, Louisiana. They were coming uh, here McDermott, to shop. MacDermott, Ivondale, all that, they were coming mm-hmm. here to shop. That's all been bulldozed now. Gone. They all left. They're gone. Shell, uh, Marathon, Texaco, they're, they're mm-hmm. bulldozed all that stuff. They're gone. You mm-hmm. know, they're not there. And that's hard to replace. And And, and you know, I just—I served— you read all my things. I served six years on the Fed Energy Commission, National Energy Committee, and we studied alternative fuels till we were sick. Called in everybody who was an expert, everybody. And at the end of the day, nothing could replace natural gas. Nothing could burn cleaner.
0: Nothing mm-hmm. could burn cheaper. And it's plentiful now and that we know plentiful. how to unleash it. Yeah. It, it was plentiful.
1: <laughs> and. and and if we want to put these people out of business, let's be honest while we're putting them out of business. Let's not lie. Let's not say we did away with the Keystone Pipeline because it was bad for the environment. Let's say getting away, doing away with the Keystone Pipeline was great for Warren Buffett, who gave him a lot of money, and his Burlington Northern Railroad's making a fortune, okay, shipping that fuel out of there. So, you know, let's just, let's just look at what's really happening. Okay, I mean, you know, when you when you look at it and I don't care if it's local anywhere else, I always ask, this is the bank in me. Where's the money? You
0: know, Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to ask you. Um, And for the record, I'm not against clean energy initiatives. I just feel that people don't understand. We can't just go to that. We can't all just have electric cars overnight because we're just not equipped to do it. Our, Our electric grid wouldn't support it. Rusty, I'm listening to you, and you've seen the evolution of things. With technology, we were talking about it before we started taping. Technology is moving so fast. Some of these initiatives will be seen in our lifetime, some of them. But as a banker, I want you to comment on this, and I'm going to turn over to, to Jason if you have any questions. You are so knowledgeable in so many areas that most of us don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not an expert on K Street or the GSE I know there's requirements, you know, in investing and all, but is this how most bankers are? You have to get to know the industries that you're loaning money to, but this is—it's complicated stuff.
1: Well, well absolutely, and in, in you in your, your bank, and banking—I'm going to go back to get on state banks. Yeah, it's yeah, a little bank. I like that. I mean— Gator got people in Gator Mag know a lot about duck hunting. Okay, uh, I guarantee you, you walk in there, they tell you what kind of buckshot to use and everything else. Okay, it could be a little different than if you deal in business with one of the banks in North Louisiana, and they go, "No, I know more about cotton and timber or whatever." You, you got to know your market. You got to know the people you're talking to. But but let me let me tell you this too about energy. I don't want to give the impression I'm against any energy. I'm okay with solar. I'm okay with wind. I'm okay with nuclear. The problem is, is that when you go home tonight, I want you to walk around your house, see how many devices are plugged in. Who? Okay. All right. The energy demand is going through the roof. So, I mean, I've been to West Texas. I have a good friend runs a bank called Happy State Bank in Happy Texas (laughs) out of Neil Lubbock, and he's took me on all the big wind farms out there and all Mm -hmm. of that they got the biggest wind farms you've ever seen in West Texas and Oklahoma. I've seen them. As long as the eye can see, you can see them. It doesn't fulfill 10% of the needs of Dallas, Texas. That's just Dallas, okay? I mean, there's big needs. And now you're talking about plugging in everybody's automobiles? I mean, you know, you, you're not being realistic. I mean, I'm okay if my neighbor wants an electric car and he wants to plug it in. I'm willing to say, well, I'm not going to get one on my block, okay? You know, because not everybody on the block will be able to have one because the grid can't support it all. And so, you know, it's just it's just not realistic. Let's be let's be realistic. Let's be realistic about natural gas. You cannot make that computer screen out of windmills, okay? And you can't make it out of solar energy, okay? You got to have natural gas. Let, let's be honest. And, and I tell you what, if you want to cause a revolution in the United States, go to anybody under the age of thirty and tell them you're taking away the electronics from them. <laughs> I'm not going to tell my grandkids. I'll let y'all go tell mm-hmm. them. Look, we got to. And look, I didn't have them. I remember. I remember till his day in 1994, a guy you know, Bill Finstermaker, mm-hmm. called me up. He said, I want to go to lunch with you. I want to discuss the superhighway. And I said, oh, because we were working on I-49 at the time. I said, what superhighway are we building? He said, the internet superhighway. Oh. And when I sat down with him and he started telling me, because him and Clay Island used to go to Las Vegas and mm-hmm. some big internet Conference over there, and he was explaining it to me, and I was like, "Man, I don't know how this is gonna work." I know. Five years later, I wasn't wondering anymore. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm just about finished. But I decided I was gonna binge watch, binge watch The Sopranos, which ended in 2007. Watch a little old TV and realize how much technology has moved right. uh, from that that standpoint. Uh, before we got on, I was talking to to y'all about. Last night I watched uh, the, a show NCIS and they were trying to clear a cold case from 2003 and they found some cassette tapes from back then. Oh, yeah. That's and they, what they had to about. find somebody's old truck mm-hmm. <laughs> to go play the cassette tapes in because they didn't know how to play them. Look, I remember eight tracks. Hell, I remember when we all had AM, okay, mm-hmm. and, and, then, and, and now, you know, I've got DVDs and I tried to give them to my kids, and they looked at me like I'm nuts. Yeah. would well, I want a DVD, DVD player. So, <laughs> so, so, you're right. Technology and then this yeah. AI stuff that is coming, yeah. God only knows, and how much electricity is that going to have? Because I guarantee you, when they come out, we already got one of these vacuum cleaners that go all over my house. I don't know what you call them. Yeah. But but we got know, two of them here. Yeah. Okay. But when they come with Somebody who's going to wash the clothes for my wife, or, uh, <laughs> or, or, or clean the dishes, put them in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. We're going to be buying us a little robot, and we're going to charge it every night too. Yeah. So the question yeah. is, we got we have a lot more energy, just meeting demand. So mm-hmm. you know, but but yeah, they put a lot of demands on banks and on SEC traded companies. I mean, what to me is ridiculous. I do a lot of investing, so I'm reading a lot of annual reports. All these companies. To kind of get a GSE score, although it's killing them. I mean, it's just physically killing the company, and and they put non-qualified people in the places just so they can get a GSE score.
0: Do you know about this, Jason? No. It's when people go to borrow money. Like I'm thinking about local oil and gas people. You know, um, producers. They have to. They go to people for money, but then if those people, right? They they have to they have to show that they're meeting the I guess the Clean Guidelines. Uh, it's, clean it's Guidelines like you, and, yeah. and government
1: diversity, DEI. Yeah. You, you have to jump have through a lot that. of hoops
0: to get money. Got yeah. And if you're not doing exactly the right thing, then your money sources kind of dry up. So it's a chicken and egg thing. And, and if you walk in— I, and, I don't know if I and, said it right, but that's kind of the gist. Yeah, of that. And,
1: and all you got is white males in your company? could get tough because where's your diversity? You know, where is it? And And, and you know, and I mean— this is hard. Uh, you know, Chris Rader's big facility here, and I love Chris to death. But I guarantee <laughs> you, Chris or Matt Stella, when they started their business, didn't think about how many people they can hire and how many people they can take care of. They were thinking about how can I make a buck. How can I
0: pay my house now? No. yeah. How, how <laughs> can I make a buck, okay?
1: All right? And now it's like, okay, you know, we want all of these things, and we want you to have this diversity and that and that. And, look, I'll tell you right now, I used to tell people who came to work for us who had MBAs, I would tell them, look, glad you got it, glad you graduated in the top 10% of your college, okay? That got you in the front door. That got you to be a a person who is here. But it all comes down to who can produce now, Mm -hmm. who can bring us business, who can make something happen. So, But I think the one thing I I know we're getting close to closing, I want to tell people your community bank is fine. If you got any question, go walk in the front door and talk to them. Okay, I promise you, they ain't a community banker in America they never have live people sitting in the lobby. that get paid to take care of you, and they will they will do whatever they got to do to make you feel happy. And, 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 and it, even if you only got $4,000 in the bank, they'll make you feel like a million because they know they get their referrals from other people. Mm-hmm. So if you at least bit worried, go see your community banker. And, and don't worry. To be honest, if you got some money in one of these big banks, man, I'd move it to a community bank because I'd be worried. Because what happens if Jamie Diamond, and this is his quote, decides, well, I need Rusty Cloutier's money, Boop, I done moved it. It's out of his account into into dear old Uncle Sam's, and it now belongs to them. You
2: know, I I, I wouldn't trust them much.
0: Jason, yeah. you have any uh, questions?
2: I I yeah, I have tons yeah. of them actually. Well, first of all, a few comments because there were so many things that you said that like I wanted to dig into more, and I know we don't have time, but uh, a lot of what I'm hearing is that this disconnect, right? And mm-hmm. trying to get the bigger perspective. And you talked about AI, and everybody in this office loves, you know, Chat GPT. But I read the other day, yeah, every 10 to 12 questions sucks up a bottle of water. It does? to, be, to Just to cool the computers. Really? So the energy consumption alone is—to re- to train chat GPT-3 took 185,000 gallons of water. And that's nothing you're getting back. Right. So— yeah, so the energy concerns on, on all this stuff and trying to monetize it and how does that fit into society and be environmentally sustainable. And, I mean, there's a lot of problems that we're going to run into. And then even talk about emissions. Um, we had a friend here from England, and, and she was blown away by drive throughs and looking into it more, the amount of emissions from drive-throughs. Really? So every yeah, every person sitting in Starbucks are da- are for the fifteen daiquiri minutes drive-through. <laughs> the, it's ridiculous the amount of extra emissions that we have instead of, of parking drive-thrus. your car and instead walking in. And, going in. and
0: do they well, do well, that in Europe? Do they?
2: There's not a whole lot of drive-throughs in right. Europe. And, they don't have the and, space and, and for they it. They have been after the drive-throughs at banks. Mm-hmm. But let me
1: give you just one more example. You you right about AI and all the energy. But AI, I think it's funny because. The two big stars for LSU, the the girl gymnast and the basketball player, Mm -hmm. both signed up for AI. They're selling it. And AI is going to destroy the colleges. Universities are done. AI has done them. And let me tell you, people say, well, no, we like people who have great education. I said, look, let me ask you a question. Two people walk in your office, and you give them a project, and you say, here's the project. And one of them says, well, I'm going to the library. I'm going to do all this research. I'll be back with you in two months. And the other one says, I'll have it on your desk in an hour. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, which which one one do you want? And I was with my good friend that's a big landscape architect in Nashville this weekend, and he said his grandson was telling him about AI, oh, that won't work. You know, I spent seven years in college Mm -hmm. and all of this. He says, well, ask me a question. He says, well, uh, how do you landscape a side of a mountain to make it not look as steep. He gave him a little challenge. He said in an hour he came back with a forty page report. He said, I read it. And I'll to him and he said, if I'd have written this when I was in college, I'd have got an A plus. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. I mean, you know, and and look, and look, colleges, I don't think universities know they're in deep trouble because all that first year stuff they teach, people don't need
2: it no more. Yep. I mm-hmm. mean, and my they can't afford kid, it. They what? can't
0: afford to get it, to well, sit like, there and not get it. Well, that's the other side need. of it, too, the yeah. amount of
2: debt you're going to go into to try yeah. to learn all this stuff when AI can just generate it for you. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and and the question is whoever asked you who won to mess with any of your wars in your business life, you know? And, and my grandkids are pointing that out to me more and more because, you know, we'll be riding somewhere and I'll ask something and they go, Siri. And they get the answer in two seconds. And they've got yep. me to do it now. I can look up anything. Okay. So what in the world do I need to take this history and that history? and all? Well, so you'd be re- well around. If I want to be well-rounded, I can sit in my house in front of a screen and yep. I can be as well-rounded as I want. But th- it burns up a lot of energy. Yep. A- and it's a fact of life. And, and you know, we're continuing to increase that. The other problem is, as Jan mentioned before we were on the air, uh, electric cars don't work in a lot of areas. Uh, do you really want an electric car to be evacuated in life yeah, Not when you're yet. stuck. No. Yeah. Okay. I
0: love electric cars, though, but it's just for us, it's not practical yeah. to have that as my main car. It, it, if I had two cars, maybe. And I agree with but you. But I only have one car. Me,
1: me and yeah. my wife have two cars. I mm-hmm. could replace one with an electric car. It wouldn't be a problem. The other thing is uh, the batteries can't afford to get wet, and we flood streets here every once in a while, yeah. and, and, and it's not logical. And—, and but, you know, it's like replacing gas stoves. That, to me, makes no sense at all. You know, where are
2: you going to get your Popeye's
1: fried chicken if they can't do it in
2: a gas burner? Oh, there's, there's whole cities in Michigan that are trying to get rid of natural gas. Really? Yeah. yeah. An- Ann Arbor, Michigan has something on the bill right now where they want to stop all natural gas. And people are going, well, what are we supposed to do? We've built up our entire city yeah. based on this. Right. A um, couple other things here. Uh, crypto. Is that anything that we should be concerned about, worried about, or looking forward to? You'll never see crypto.
1: The government's going to take it all over. Okay. it's going to be centralized digital currency. Okay? It's coming. I want to tell you it's coming. But the government ain't going to let anybody else have control of that. That they was my feeling. They don't control it. You got to remember, uh, if you take a $100 bill, okay, the Fed prints it at a cost of about one and a quarter cents and they get a hundred bucks for it. They ain't giving that up. Okay. And so it's
2: <laughs> so a good profit margin there. That's true. Got, yeah. They're gonna control a digital currency. That 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 makes a lot of sense. Um what are you most scared of? Uh, what Janet Yelling
1: said the other day that we have a thirty two trillion dollar deficit. In the best-case scenario, if they could tax everything in the world that they can think of, and they've thought about that, that by 2030, we'll have a $50 billion deficit. And now that the Fed can no longer contribute, the Fed was contributing every year, profits, not issuing losses, uh, that most probably is closer to 54000000000000 trillion. I'm a banker. I'm very simple. Uh, uh, you can't run up your credit cards forever. Sooner or later, the bill comes due, and I think the bill comes due, and I think it's going to be very, very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think by by June 1st, uh, it could get very interesting because I don't see how they work it out. The Democrats want to spend more and the Republicans want to cut, and neither one's going to give an inch. Makes sense. I, I'm, not, I'm not on either side here. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm just telling you. But, you know, you got to pay the bill sooner or later. If you found a way— Uh, You can borrow money and never pay the bill. Please call
2: me (laughs) because I want to be the first one to (laughs) Me too, yeah.
0: You'd be popular. Well,
2: it's funny. I had a question here that I was going to skip over, but it was, you know, is the system the way it's set up now sustainable? And it doesn't sound like it is if we're just going to continue to go further and further in debt.
1: I I don't think the – not picking on either party, Mm -hmm. but uh, the political system we currently have, with the Democrats way over here and the Republicans way over here, uh, there is no more middle ground. Yep. A- a- and there is no more, I-, I wrote about this quite a bit in my book, there is no more them sitting down at night and playing cards like Dirksen and Long and, and Greenspan. Greenspan told me this on numerous occasions I talk about it in my book. Well, where- they would argue and they'd go sit down and play, play blackjack at night uh, among themselves and they would work things out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how bad it is in Washington if you worked for a democratic congressman and jan worked for a republican congressman and they heard y'all had a date
2: did fire both of y'all so interesting well and it, i mean i think the three of us in here are probably somewhere in between and i think mm-hmm. most people right. are somewhere in between and yet that's so. not what's presented to us it's one or the other mm-hmm. and i don't
0: it's a turn off
2: for i the don't identify person. with either political party mm-hmm. really because i feel like i'm always being lied to right you mm-hmm. know no matter what i hear uh, final question. So, you know, a lot of those questions were from my perspective. I'm mid-40s. My truck is actually 23 years old this it is. year. Yeah. Congratulations. So for, first first truck I ever owned, and I still have it.
0: Is there a cassette player in it?
2: No, I replaced okay. it with a CD player. So I, <laughs> I can play CDs, but no cassettes. Um, but I'm thinking about me when I was 21, 22, 23. What advice do you have for somebody now just graduating college, getting into the workforce, in front of all of these, you know, financial decisions and problems that they're going to run into in the next several years, what advice do you have for them moving forward?
1: Very simple. It's all about work ethic. But get your education. uh, A man who's 98 now, uh, y'all may know him, Paul Head, who when he turned 75, which I'm older than that now, gave me some great advice. He said there's three things important when you're looking for a worker. Number one is work ethic. Number two is unscrupulously honest, okay? If they steal a little bit from you, they'll steal a lot. And the third is the ability to learn something, okay? Not how much education they got because let me give you an example. I'm going to use me as an example. When I graduated from college in 1968, I was considered the cutting edge of computer science. I wrote programs on models for banks, how to model a a budget and all of that with computers. But we did it on punch cards, Mm -hmm. okay? How good do you think I am today with punch cards? (laughs) If I walked into here with a a stack of punch cards and say, hey, I want to run this program, you will laugh at me, Mm -hmm. okay? You got to be able to learn because the world evolves. I mean, would you go to a doctor who says, I want to take your gallbladder out, and I'm going to cut you wide open and take it out. Right. <laughs> You're going to say, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. You know, I want episcopic surgery, cataracts, same thing. All this evolves. So a kid coming out of school realize one thing. You went to school, and all that proved is that for four years, you could pay attention and do something. Discipline. Yes. Okay? Now, the, the next thing is, I don't care who you want to go to work for. Don't make me any difference. You got to prove to them you're the best worker they've ever seen. First one there in the morning, last one there in the afternoon, and you're producing the most. That's how you get ahead. And and you don't get ahead by thinking you're great. That leads to depression, and and, uh, that leads to the guy at at old National Bank. I know some of those bankers up there who went in and killed people because he didn't think he was being treated fairly. Okay. He had an MBA from Alabama, and he'd done internships and everything. But nobody cares. I don't care what business you're in. I had lunch yesterday with the largest owner of Taco Bells in the United States, and I was laughing with him. And I said, how do you determine who's your best people in your company? He looked at me. He says, that's the people who sell the most. (laughs) Pretty simple. Yeah. Okay? I mean, you know, you could – you could have a pedigree, unbelievable longest resume in the world. You go to work at Taco Bell and and you're not leading the the franchise. But if you his best franchisee, who you think he's gonna take care of? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so that's what young people don't realize today. And there is no participation trophies in business. You don't get a participation trophy. You don't get nothing for finishing second. You don't get anything for saying we lost this business over here. You know, it's it's you either win in business or you lose. And, yeah. and uh, if you make a mistake, man, they'll crucify you. So, you know, that would be my advice to young people. You gotta realize that.
2: I- I like that. Well, and it it kind of reaffirms I don't know a little pride boost here for myself because back in twenty twenty one I had friends who were trying to cash in on the crypto thing you know easy money mm-hmm. right and and they kept on asking me you know Jason what throwing a few hundred dollars throwing a thousand dollars I remember saying to them I was brought up and told nothing beats hard work yep. there's no such thing as easy money just work hard and everything will, mm-hmm. will work out so I'm I'm glad that you said that uh, Rusty I wish we had more time maybe we can have you back at some point no but, uh, it's been Super, yeah, It's just been awesome. I would love you here. to
1: do that. Maybe sometimes in the summer, after things settle down a little bit in Washington, you know, this is the other thing people don't realize: uh, Washington's done on June the first, so that's it. You, you only get a hundred days, okay, and then they're running for reelection, and, and 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 you know, you ain't get no bills passed once you get to that point, and you ain't getting no compromises done once you get to that point because it's <laughs> I'm running, and, and that's that's the deal. And so it'll be interesting to see, and, and we didn't talk state politics, but I'd love to come back and have you explain to me <laughs> how in the world a legislature can spend all this money that they know they're going to be broke next year and mm-hmm. they need,
0: mm-hmm. okay? Why does I, that happen all the time? It's I, a cycle. I, yeah. I'm just really wondering. It's always it, crisis it, money it, that
1: yeah. we blow through. If you knew in January – you will have a $5,000 bill coming.
2: Okay.
1: And and I gave you $5,000 today. I <laughs> doubt that you would
2: go it? No, I'm you putting know. that away right away. Yeah, I and mean, I got a bill
1: to pay. Yeah. Well, everybody knows they got a big deficit coming, but yet they spend it like no tomorrow. They, they like, they like, like wild people. And, and, and look, that's a, that's my hang up. I'm a banker. Okay. And so, you know, I think you pay your bills, you keep some cash, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, you know, and I hope everybody in America has put some money aside in case we got some tough times, okay? I mean, you know, I'm sure your parents, you mentioned your parents, told you, you need to have about 90 days of liquid
2: assets. And that's what I have, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
1: so that if something turns
2: a little rough,
1: Chris calls you in and says, hey, you gotta take a pay cut. It's not personal, but our business is slowed down. That you can handle it, okay? Mm-hmm. And too many people are acting like, well, that can never happen. That can never happen. It's like when you get my age, and I was with a bunch of people yesterday. I'm 76 now. And somebody made a statement I would always remember. Most of us were the same age at the table. He says, we are all one doctor's visit away from bad news. And that's a, that's a yeah. true statement. True. Yeah, And so, you know, you just need to, mm-hmm. uh, to do that. And I don't think young people – Think about that. i got some grandkids, and I love all my grandkids. But, boy, if I gave $100 today, by 5 o'clock, it'd be gone.
0: <laughs> no change. Uh, you don't send them <laughs> no, to the no, store no, no with a $100 bill. No change. <laughs> Rusty Cloutier, this has been fascinating. And it the, the conversation followed the track I wanted, but it also went a little different way, which I found interesting. I mean, what do you think, Jason? Uh, this, was, this was
2: amazing, yeah, I, yeah. All sorts of good information. I wish we had more time. That's— you have to come back at some point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah, late summer. We late can talk summer, about what after happened over the summer? Acts or does Once, a, act,
1: once yeah. Congress is done and once uh, uh, the state legislature is done mm-hmm. and a few other things, and we got a clear picture, and we got a clear picture on the banking front, yeah. uh, I think the next 90 days. And look, let me tell all you listeners one thing don't believe anything you hear or you read. Go do your own research and spend a lot of time on it. And if you listen to, I don't know, MSNBC, then go spend a while on Fox. And then, because you're going to hear two different stories on the same story. Yep. And then mm-hmm. you make your own decisions. And your decision may not be my decision, but you
2: make your decision. Also, keeping in mind, their opinions are based on the amount of money that they're taking in, right? K Street is showing up at their front door. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. That's (laughs) interesting.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Rusty Cloutier, for your time and your expertise and what you've done to help build our community. We owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Yeah. And Jason Sikora with Raider, I want to thank you for making our show possible. Uh, It's been almost six years we started— Taping in Raider yeah. uh, towards the end of 2017. That's and right. It's, it's flown by. I know. So we've got younger. Yeah, yeah. While the show yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, got right. better. <laughs> yeah. I listen back to the early ones and I think, gosh, I'm just glad I was able to keep this going. I'm grateful because yeah. Rusty. It's been such a great way to connect with people that lead in our community, that are upcoming leaders, uh, people from all walks of life. Well, and we get to hear Well, you, story. Stan,
2: for keeping this going and for capturing all of this. I know, love it. I think it's great now. I think it's going to be great to come back and listen to in the future. Well,
1: thank you. And hey, look, I think podcasts are great because you get a lot of different opinions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you— and none of us got paid by K Street today.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We're doing this out of the love of our community. Yep. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider subscribing to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit discoverlafayette.net. I don't know if Rusty's ever been there, but we have an archive of over 300 interviews, and they're alphabetized. You can look it up and maybe find one of your friends or family members has been on it and you haven't listened yet. I want to encourage you to do so. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, thank you for being with us today. I'm Jan Swift.